to Women Made New. I'm your host, Kristalina Everett. Thank you for joining me. All right. Lent is next week, and I've been thinking and praying about it a lot. And, you know, EWTN has an excellent new resource, and I've talked about it in the past, but for the new listeners, and even some of you have been listening for a while, maybe you've been kind of on the bench with it, but they have a new online free learning series that they based on my book, Women Made New. And ladies, maybe this Lent to really focus on the things maybe you've avoided or those wounds that you just haven't wanted to deal with or just those things in your past and that brokenness that you know maybe is affecting your everyday life. Well, this resource they have is something maybe you can do during Lent and it's completely free. And really think about, do you wrestle with anxiety? Do you have wounds that need to be healed? Or maybe someone in your past hurt you deeply. There's really, ladies, and I've experienced myself, only one that truly can sometimes go to those dark places, and that's Jesus. And I had to wrestle a lot in adoration. And this new um, online learning series that EWTN created, you'll literally be inspired by all the different stories of these overcomers, these women that have been there and um, come out of that darkness and they're healed and not all of us are 100 healed no but at least we're striving for it and we want to do god's will we want to become the women that god has created us to be and it is an eight-part learning series and it even has this unbelievable study guide with teachings from mother angelica videos from mother angelica videos from cameron frad me Teresa tamio joy pinto a lot of the faces at ewtm but they're also contributors in this book and jeanette even so if you would like to do this during Lent, you can actually download it in your phone. There is an app, the EWTN uh, Learning app that you can go to the Apple Store, your apps in your phone, and download it. And you can go to a coffee shop and listen. You can watch it in the privacy of your own home. I put earbuds in. Maybe you could just sit in the back of the church. It's, it's up to you, but it really is something very powerful and an amazing resource to help you if you're not ready to go to counseling, if you're not ready to maybe even talk to anybody about it, and it's just something you want to do on your own, or you can do it with girlfriends and maybe have a book group during Lent and get the Women Made New book and go through this learning series together and watch a video each chapter when they compile them all together. But it's something I just wanted to put out there and encourage the women out there that just wanted to go deeper um, in that healing process and truly see what is keeping them from becoming the woman that God has created you to be. And if you want to even go online and look at this, you can go to EWTN.com backslash women made new. Or like I said, you can just download it right there in your apps on your phone. And it isn't the first one that comes up because there is an EWTN app, which I highly recommend everyone should download, especially for Lent. But then you just scroll down a little bit and then you'll see the EWTN learning app. And Father Joseph Mary, which we're going to be hearing from here pretty soon, um, also has excellent, excellent just resources and just some some teachings there as well that will really help you during this Lenten season. So without further ado, we are going to have Daniel Campbell give us some tips on how we can make this the best Lent we've ever had. And then we will get right into it with Father Joseph Mary and Daniel Campbell talking to us everything about Lent, just the nitty gritty, the ABCs and what it is all about to help you prepare for this upcoming Lenten season. Hi, this is Daniel Campbell, director of the lay division at St. John Vianney Theological Seminary for the Archdiocese of Denver, where we offer all sorts of classes for you, the lay faithful. Here we are now almost at the start of Lent, Ash Wednesday coming up next week. Lent being that time of preparation to celebrate the passion, death and resurrection of our Lord. A preparation that comes by way of penance. As our Lord himself says, unless you do penance, you shall perish. This penance consisting of two aspects, repentance, which is sorrow for sin, contrition, as we call it, with the resolve to sin no more, then reparation, making amends as we speak of it for that sin. So repentance and reparation, two key aspects to penance. A penance famously manifested in Lent by way of increased prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. The church doesn't just tell you to do penance, but tells you how. 
You pray, fast, and give alms. That's how you say you're sorry and make amends. Having said that, in order to understand what I need to repent of and make reparation for, I have to know my own sins. And that's what the examination of conscience is for. That brief review come the end of the day of how things went. The good we may have done throughout the day to thank and bless the Lord for, and any sins we may have committed to now do penance for. And of course, if it's mortal sin, we go to confession immediately as well. But certainly, as we consider this penitential season with its need for increased prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, it's going to start in prayer with that examine to know where we even stand, what it is that we need to even repent of and make reparation for. So if you're not already making a daily examine, resolve to do so now. Build the habit during Lent, typically for just a brief minute before going to bed, just a brief review of the day, things I said, did, maybe omitted, for good or for bad, and where that means I now stand. If you'd like to read, watch, listen to more about the Lenten season, check out our website at sjvlaydivision.org, and I hope you have a blessed Lenten season. Women Made New. I'm your host, Kristalina Everett. Thank you for joining me. Today, we are blessed here at Women Made New to have Father Joseph Mary. Hi, Father. Thank you for being here. Good to be with you again, Kristalina. Can you lead us in prayer before we get started? Certainly. Father, we thank you for the gift of our lives and for the liturgical season, which helps us to enter more deeply into the mystery of your son's life. And we thank you for the upcoming season of Lent that will help us to join him in his 40 days in the desert and to grow spiritually through your grace and blessing. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I really wanted to just get the ABCs of this beautiful season that is coming up here next week and Mm -hmm. kind of explain what Lent is, what it is all about, and how we can maybe take this Lent a little more seriously than than we have in the past and maybe reorder our priorities and have that spiritual check-in and just get that moral compass of where we are at and maybe where God wants us to go. But it would help to understand what the meaning of Lent is and kind of the ABCs of it. So what is Lent? Well, it is a season that's been practiced since the earliest days of the church in preparation for the catechumens to come into the church to receive baptism, confirmation, the Holy Eucharist, but also for the faithful to deepen their own spiritual lives because we all tend to grow lax, right? We kind of get caught up and distracted by the things of this world and comfort. And so thanks be to God, we have this annual reminder to focus on what is really important. Now, before Lent happens, there's going to be this Tuesday, which is going to be Fat Tuesday. What is that? Mm -hmm. Because it seems like it's just this day for people to throw their morals out the window and do everything and sin as much as possible and stuff their faces as much as possible without being disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, Lord, I'm ready. But that's, I don't know. Can you just explain that? Because that's how, in a worldly sense, I'm kind of looking at it, even the preparation and just um, just television commercials or things you hear on the radio, like Fat Tuesday, come and party kind of thing, you know? Right. Well, at first it was called Shrove Tuesday to be shriven from your sins, to, you know, turn away from your sins, make a confession. It became known as Fat Tuesday, Marty Bra in French, right? Because you were going to get rid of all the fat in your house. And so it was a way, Mm -hmm. and you're going to live more of a penitential time where the fat, which is, you know, the scriptures even talk about, that's the good part, the fat, right? <laughs> so you're going to you're gonna get rid of the fat and tasty things, and you're going to focus more on uh, the Lord. Now, the devil always takes something and he turns it upside down and makes it something that was never intended to be. And the world has taken it and made it this absolutely immoral day. But then that will lead us into ash 
Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And it's Ash Wednesday. I'm going to just kind of rapid fire with a bunch of different questions that I'm getting and that I know I've had in the past myself. So is Ash Mm -hmm. Wednesday a holy day of obligation? No, it is not. However, it's quite interesting that in many places, more people go to the Ash Wednesday Mass than they do even Christmas or Easter. I think it's something, and even non-Catholics, Father Benedict Rochelle used to talk about, you know, the Jews who had come, some some of the Jews that he knew, Wow, you know, just as a reminder of our mortality and focusing on what's important in our lives. So it's open to anyone to be able to receive those ashes. We have a number of non-Catholic workers here at EWTN, people of great faith, and uh, they will come to receive ashes just as a reminder to return to the Lord. You know, I always found it interesting, Father, that that is the one day out of the entire year that you, to a certain extent, can set aside um, Catholics from the rest of the world. The only day you walk around and you see people with ashes and you just kind of nod and smile. (laughs) You know, like, all right, we got our ashes, you know. (laughs) know, Well, it's that symbolic sign uh, outer on the outer versus what's on the inner that you can see that I love the Lord and I'm really trying to do as well. And we're we're showing that. Um, Now, where do ashes actually come from? So they come from the previous uh, Palm Sunday and they are burned and turned into ashes. And so those are used uh, on Ash Wednesday. And uh, and the, like Rome, typically the ashes are sprinkled on top of the head. But here in the United States, we have the practice. It's a beautiful practice to make the sign of the cross on the forehead. And one of two uh, things are said, and I usually like to rotate, uh, alternate between the two things that a priest will say as he applies the ashes, because that way everyone gets to hear both, and they're both important. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So it's a reminder Mm -hmm. of our mortality. And then the other is turn away from sin and believe in the gospel. So that's the whole reason for the season, to turn in one direction away from sin and then turn toward the Lord, believe in the gospel. Beautiful. Now, people don't like to think about death. We kind of avoid it. I mean, when you're driving, you rarely see um, cemeteries. They're kind of tucked away where it's mm-hmm. not like you're passing on, passing by them on a day-to-day basis. And if you do, a lot of people don't even pay attention, right? And death right. isn't something that's kind of prevalent and it's kind of just, it's not going to happen. It's just to keep going, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. until it does. And this day is kind of a reminder of that. And also it starts the season of dying to oneself, Correct. Exactly. And let me tell you a story that just happened two weeks ago. Uh, some friends of mine who help with adoration here at the network, uh, the wife's parents were not Catholic, and the father was on hospice care, and he had been in the hospital for months. And they said, will you come give him a blessing? Well, of course, I was happy to do that. And we prayed for him prayed God's blessing. And they said, we pray for mom too. It's been a tough time for her. So I'm praying and blessing her. And then the husband signals me for for me to come back. He wants to become Catholic. Wow. So right then and there that day, he had been baptized, but he received confirmation. He received anointing. He received his first and only Holy Communion because he died a week later. But I think what that illustrates is that it folk, you know, when you're stripped of everything, that you begin to look, like I said, you don't look up until you're flat on your back sometimes, right? And so it's this t- turning away from the things, the distractions that often keep us from focusing on what matters. But when that's taken away, such as when we come to the end of our lives, we begin to think more seriously about what are the deeper realities of life and the eternal realities. Wow, that's beautiful. Well said, Father. Well said. Now, why do we use the color purple in the church during Lent? So that, as well as Advent, really, is a uh, season of penance. And we also have other occasions, like on the anniversary of Roe versus Wade, we can wear purple as a sign of penance and repentance. So it's a, it's a dark color, as a, a sign of repentance and 
turning away from sin. And uh, so that's the color that we use typically for for those uh, penitential seasons. And as a good reminder, I, I went to the fabric store a couple of years ago and I just got some purple fabric, kind of the drapey fabric, and mm-hmm. I put it around the crosses, like it hangs over Jesus' arms um, and I put it behind his head and it hangs over. So my kids remember it's Lent and this is a special time. So all the crucifixes in the house, I'll put a little bit of that fabric there. And it's it's just a good reminder that kids need sometimes and even yourself that this is a holy time and dying to oneself and getting closer to Jesus, you know, and you yeah. yourself to that suffering. So that's just a little tidbit that our household to pass yeah. along there to maybe help you and your kids remember um, what season you're in, because it's easy. It's so easy to forget when you're in the middle of it, especially that home stretch. And it's kind of getting wearisome, you know, when they're going to have to do towards right. the end. So that's just my little two cents there. But why um, 40 days, Father? So there's a couple of reasons. Um, one is to imitate, of course, our Lord. And so the very first Sunday of Lent, we always have the uh, Lord's temptation in the desert. And it says the Spirit drove him out to the desert and it was there he fasted for 40 days, and uh, he was tempted by the devil. And so primarily it is to imitate our Lord's before he began his public ministry, before he went to his uh, passion, death, and resurrection, that he entered into that. And we can think of that in two ways. So one thing, he is the new Adam, and we heard last Sunday he is the last Adam, so the first Adam fell through temptation, through the devil's temptations, and uh, caused fallen humanity for all of us. But Jesus is the new Adam. He's also the last Adam. So there's something new he's beginning, and he has conquered the evil one. But then we can also think of how when the Israelites traveled through the desert, how they rebelled against God. So they were there for 40 years. Well, Jesus is that faithful son of Israel. He is that one who is faithful. He's obedient even unto death, death on a cross. So in that way, he reverses what was done before through infidelity and sin. Now, in those 40 days, this is where I am confused and you can clarify, I'm sure for a lot of people, does that 40 days include Sundays or no? No, um, Fridays uh, throughout the year are like little Good Fridays, mm-hmm. and Sundays are like little uh, Easter Sundays. And so they're not included in that 40 days. It's actually a little, a few days less, I think, than 40 days, because now the church puts a special significance on Holy Thursday, Good Friday, mm-hmm. and uh, the Easter Vigil as the triduum, the three days, and actually Lent ends before you enter into that holiest time of the year, the the triduum of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and the Easter Vigil. So are you supposed to keep up what you kind of given up for Lent on Sunday, or the church would, are you not, do they require you to do that? Or is that the day you just kind of stop and pause and refresh and then keep going? Because there's like kind of some confusion on that, the different people I've talked to. Well, any penance that we take on is what voluntary, right? So it's it's our own choice. Now there are certain things we are obliged to do that the church has prescriptions for us to do. So on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, we are all obliged to fast if you're eighteen to fifty nine years old of age. Mm-hmm. And so that means, and this is not a really strict fast, but at least. You just have one meal and then two smaller meals that don't equal that main meal. So it's a pretty, you know, it's not something we can't do, right? We, yeah. you know, we're not going to be snacking in between and so on. And so typically, and then on Fridays during the season of Lent, we have abstinence. We're required to do that during the season of Lent. So really, Sundays, yes, there can be some mitigation from our our Latin observances. But again, it's we're choosing to follow the Lord. We're wanting to be more detached. You know, I'll tell you another story. And that's of one of 
uh, my favorites, uh, Venerable Cardinal von Tuan. And you may know his story that he was imprisoned in a communist prison in Vietnam. He was a bishop in Vietnam for 13 years, and nine of those were in solitary confinement. Wow. But he was able to, thankfully, because people were smuggled into him or get into him bread and, and wine. or and, and he would have masses secretly. When he wasn't in solitary, it was for other Catholic prisoners. And even the other prisoners noticed there's a difference. They have something more. But Cardinal von Tuan later, after he was released, he said, those were the most beautiful masses of my life. Mm. Now, why would he say that? Everything else was gone. He had no comforts. He had nothing but the Lord. And I think that is why we embrace detaching from things that we can see we're too attached to. Our phones, maybe. Oh, yeah. Addiction. An addiction, right? Yeah. So there was a, there's a professor, there was an article recently, and she has an experiment where the students go out, have to have their phones turned off for 20 minutes. They're just going to look at the outdoors. And it's like a new experience, right? And then they'll write about that experience. So what are we too attached to? that we can let go and ask the Lord to help us to overcome a particular addiction we have to that. That was another question I had. How do you choose what to give up and and why? Kind of, Can you give maybe some guidelines? Because people kind of are like going through, and I know you pray about it, but can you maybe give us a formula or something to kind of mm-hmm. figure out what it is we should be giving up for and how much we should be giving up? Yes, well, you know, Mother Angelica, she talked about that our penances should not make us a penance to other people, you know. <laughs> so if we become this cranky old grouch, you know, that's impossible to live with, you're more of a penance. They're, they're doing more penance than you are. That's right. That's right. So, so that's one guideline there. And she also would emphasize that Offering the difficulties of our lives with patience, love, and joy, that that's the most important thing. So, you know, she said the Lord often gave her her own Latin penance. One one year she broke her wrist, which was, she said, one of the most painful things she went through. Uh, you have many children buying, vying for your you know, attention. And and, <laughs> yes. and and just to do that with love and joy and, the, you know, the sacrifices entailed there. So that's important. But then, yes, it is a time for us to sacrifice something. And I think what we need to pray about is, Lord, what has my, what am I giving too much attention to? What is distracting me from you? Mm-hmm. Um, I do find that denying ourselves some food is helpful because we do become attached to just satisfying some immediate need, need or craving that we have. Mm-hmm. And to say no to that does bring a certain freedom and a certain a strength over our passions. We don't want our passions right to rule us. Mm-hmm. We want to direct them toward the good. So those are, those are a couple thoughts. Right. And not to make it um, something superficial. I mean, when I, I'm with this sounds terrible father, but when I was younger and like in high school and really just not going, I didn't have my conversion. I'm like, oh, Len, good. It'll, it'll be a great time for me to lose weight. You know, <laughs> thank you so much. Please <laughs> about me and I will lose some weight. You know, really superficial. So not to do that. It's got to be deeper than that. Okay. <laughs> but it's yes. really not even the quantity of how much, it's really the quality of what it is we're doing and how much love we put into it, right? Yes, and I, I remember one saint, uh, she said that if I make a sacrifice in the morning, I have a special consolation and joy in the evening. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's true in my own experience that uh, maybe we skip breakfast one morning and um, so... It's a time where we want, well, maybe I'll just compromise. You know, we have yeah. adaptations, <laughs> but we, we stick through and we get right. a certain strength over our passions and their constant cravings and it wanting attention. And 
And at the end, we feel more free. We have a certain joy. And there actually are physical benefits, too. Mm-hmm. And so we're grateful that that's part of it, too, that there is a benefit physically to um, having fasting in our lives. Absolutely. Now, to go back to um, abstaining on Wednesdays and Fridays, but like abstaining from meat. And I know this is a really silly question, but you definitely can answer it probably that I've heard people ask is that obviously includes chicken, but does that include dairy products as well? Um, yeah, uh, no, no, it doesn't. No, I didn't dairy think products. so. No, no. Silly question, but one I wanted to mm-hmm. ask because it's out there and people really are wondering about these things and the nitty gritty of life, right? Yeah, there's a, a document that Pope Paul VI wrote on penance, and he has that those details uh, laid out there. Um, so yes, you know, and I had read read an article that in the past the reasons that chickens, you know, kind of developed was because originally they weren't considered meat, <laughs> but uh, now we are. Now we do. And so, yeah, fish or vegetables and those sorts of things um, is what we typically would eat on a Friday. So Wednesdays are not days of abstinence, except for Ash Wednesdays, a day of fast and abstinence. Oh, wonder. Okay. But but Fridays are days of abstinence. And is there any exception to this this on Friday or anyone maybe if they have health issues or pregnancy or mm-hmm. something going on? Right. Yes. Exactly. If they have a particular physical need, you know, our own uh, website has a wonderful set of questions and answers with all of these details. If you go to EWTN.com slash Lent, they have a lot of these very questions addressed there and more details that you can go into. So I would recommend that, you know, for some of those questions, too. Oh, excellent. So let's get into that, Father. And that's one of the reasons I really wanted to interview you as well, all of your knowledge on Lent. And then also, what? how can people utilize EWTN during this holy season? Because they have a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. So we created uh, some Lenten meditations. I actually did uh, little videos or like two, three-minute videos for each Sunday of Lent and Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday as well. And the text of those you can find also at EWTN.com slash Lent. And you can get the free ebook there if you're interested in those meditations on the articular readings that we have during the season of Lent. And then if you scroll down further, they have lots of answers to those very questions we've been talking about. You know, what are the 40 days of Lent? What is traditionally given up during Lent? Where's Lent in the Bible? And those sorts of things. Excellent. Excellent, Father. Thank you so much. I'm excited for your videos, and my kids and I are going to sit down and watch them. Right. <laughs> and we're going to go through Lent with Father Joseph's Mary. I'm excited. It'll be good. But little things like that to engage your family and your kids uh, to do in your household, to really bring Lent alive, kind of, and to just give something up for Jesus. And maybe give something up as a family, right, Father? Not just as individuals, but maybe as a family to do something or say a rosary, maybe something mm-hmm. different to come to Jesus as a family, as an offering for Lent. That is a good practice because you're doing it together. And we do that as a religious community. We have certain observances. One of them is that we always uh, renew our consecration according to Louis de Montfort because those readings are just calling us to conversion. And uh, we see that as something good for our community every year to just hear those exhortations, you know, to repent, to return to the gospel and to live it more fully. Oh, wow. Okay, that that's excellent. I might just do that as well, Father, <laughs> and just renew that. And those of you out there that know what we're talking about, that is an excellent excellent way to celebrate Lent is to go through that uh, St. Louis de Montfort consecration because it is a powerful one, right? Absolutely. Oh, Father, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a blessed and holy Lent and know that I am praying for you. 
Thank you. And to you too, Crystalia, and all of your listeners. And the Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We are going to take a quick break with our friends over at EWTN, and we will be right back with Daniel Campbell. So stay tuned. To Women Made New. I'm your host, Kristalina Everett. Thank you for joining me. And we are here now with Daniel Campbell, and he is going to kind of get deeper into the season of Lent and everything that's going to be coming upon us next week. So welcome to Women Made New again, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be on. You are the person I go to for all things liturgical and it just is really nice that you you have such knowledge on all the different seasons and things going on in the church and you explain it so well and I really wanted to give my listeners just an ABC recap today of what Lent is all about but also to kind of go deeper to really dive in and take that spiritual inventory to take that look at our lives and ourselves and where we're at with God. And um, there are so many different things during this time that that's coming upon us in Lent that we can utilize to kind of to kind of do that. So and and just, for example, like fasting, father and I were discussing fasting and I was asking just rapid fire questions. Right. He was Mm -hmm. so good about it, too. But I want to go a little deeper into fasting because it can be confusing, but there's such amazing spiritual benefits from it. Yeah. Even Jesus mm-hmm. himself said only certain demons can be cast out by fasting. And that's something to be like said, that's some weight in words right there that Jesus gave mm-hmm. us. Yeah. So can you kind of yeah. get into that for me? Yeah, sure. So fasting has obviously a natural element that it's a way of reigning in how much food you eat, because typically all of us eat too much food, if we're honest <laughs> with ourselves. Yeah. But that's just a purely natural reality. And that's nice. And certainly secular studies do recognize that on a natural level, fasting is beneficial to your health, to your body. But obviously you alluded to our Lord himself talking about some deeper spiritual realities to fasting. And this is what I think people don't often quite realize that it's not just about eating less food, but it really is about growing in the spiritual life. So there's a number of things, for example, that you see repeatedly in scripture about fasting. One is that first and foremost, on a spiritual level, it's reparation for sin. Anytime you see people sin, see it especially in the Old Testament, it's always prayer, fasting, sackcloth, ashes, but fasting is always there. And Lent is such a time of making reparation for sins, which is effectively to say that we're trying to set things right. You know, we've done wrong, we've harmed people, we've harmed ourselves, we've harmed others, and we're trying to set things back in balance, in order, that's reparation. Fasting is a way that you see that happening in scripture. It's not just reparation, it's also mortification. That's a million dollar word St. Paul references. The idea that you have this flesh and your desires for foods and drinks, and they're not just on a natural level out of control, but even on a spiritual level, you know, we worship as Paul calls it, the God of the belly. Mortification is saying no to yourself in whatever capacity that is, you know, whether it's no to the ice cream or no to more food or this or that. That's what fasting serves as as well, not just reparation for sins, but also a way of getting your flesh and the desires of your flesh under control. It's also, as St. Thomas Aquinas writes, a way of raising your mind to heavenly things. You know, if you put it in practical terms, if it takes you 30 minutes to cook your meal, and then it takes you 30 minutes to eat it, and say you're going to fast from that meal, you just freed up an hour for prayer, which is really how fasting should be used. It's not just eat less food, but it's How can I use this less time spent in food for prayer and to actually raise my mind to consider the things of God? You also alluded our Lord himself speaking about how some demons can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. So certainly there's an element of spiritual warfare precisely because fasting is reparation, because it is mortification, because it does allow us more time for prayer. It is therefore a great weapon in the battle against the evil one and everything caught up in that great battle from the temptations to the internal struggles we face. And then, of course, you know, everyone's mother, everyone's grandmother growing up that was Catholic would always say offer it up. It's mm-hmm. also a great opportunity to make a sacrifice. Nobody likes it. You get a headache. <laughs> your stomach hurts. You know, it's distracting when you're trying to pray and you haven't eaten all day. But it's a wonderful sacrifice to make because it is such a concrete thing we feel 
in our guts and in our heads with headaches and what have you. So it's a great sacrifice to make for some particular intention as well. Right. And then those times where your body's almost like tantruming out and being having a yeah. like <laughs> yeah. wanting that specific food. And it's like, why aren't you giving it to me? And you want it more almost. And it's kind of that battle with the flesh you have to have of like it just is. saying no. Because how often, honestly, Daniel, do we tell ourselves, no, you, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm just not, not doing it. <laughs> right. It's like, you want to watch something. Yeah. Oh, well, let's see what's on Netflix or, Oh, I want McDonald's. There it is. Or not that I eat that, but just a fast food. Everything's at such convenience right now. Yeah. That instant it's gratification. Yes. It's dangerous. And so I think that's where we kind of have to step back, reel it in and say no, like verbally out loud. No, it's not going down like that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we certainly talk about fasting a lot. We hear about it a lot, but we definitely want to be more cognizant of the, those deeper reasons and the role that it can play in reining ourselves in for sure. Yeah. Now, with that being said, what are some things that maybe people can do specifically or suggestions that you can give them during this time of Lent that they can do? So certainly the church herself is going to exhort us that this is a time of penance. And that penance is manifested in particular through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Now, that's an obvious thing to say, but it's also true that when the church tells you every single year to pray more, to fast more, to give more alms, there's a reason. Because those three works are what are actually referred to as the three eminent works. Those are the three good works par excellence, if you will. When we really do pray, fast, and give alms, and we really do it with the right intentions and the right spirit, because, of course, it's not just an exterior work, but it's meant to have that interior reality, that attitude as well. Those really are the works that will draw us closer to our Lord. So we certainly do want to pray and we do want to fast and we do want to give alms. But that just leads to the next question of, well, what should I pray and how much should I fast and how much alms should I give? Yes, right? exactly. So you want more specific. So when yes. it comes to prayer, if you're looking at prayer from a perspective of penance, that this is not just a season of prayer but this is a season of prayer from the aspect of penance, then really the three things you want to do for prayer would be the stations of the cross, which is a pretty obvious one because most people are aware of, if not do them every Friday in their parish during Lent, but certainly the stations of the cross. There's then what a lot of people aren't familiar with, the seven penitential psalms. Mm. There are actually seven psalms very specifically that the church calls the penitential psalms. So if you want to pray from a spirit of penance, you should pray these seven psalms. And depending on which translation you're using, there's different numberings. But especially I'll clue people into King David's great psalm, Psalm 51, the very famous psalm. Some people are given it as their penance after confession. So a lot of people are already familiar with that Psalm 51, which King David composes after his adultery with Bathsheba. And it's really an incredible expression of penance and contrition for sin and how God really desires our obedience above everything else. So above, above the Stations of the Cross, you've got the seven penitential psalms, in particular Psalm 51. And then certainly as well from a penitential aspect, if you're not already doing a daily examine, it really should happen during Lent that we start making that daily examination of our conscience. Because if this is a season of penance, which implies that there are sins to repent of and do reparation for, you have to know what your sins are can't repent of something that you don't actually know you've done. The way sure. that you know the sins you've committed is to do that daily examine for just a minute or two before you go to bed at night, just to recap your day and make sure that on a daily level, you're aware of what you've done for good, for bad. It's not just the bad stuff. It's also to glorify God for the good stuff. But through that daily examine, to be aware of your state and where you are in the spiritual life and what you need to do moving forward the next day to you know get back up on the horse or continue on the path you're on. So for prayer, those would be the three things, the stations, the daily exam, and the seven penitential psalms. For fasting, we definitely want to fast more, just to put it bluntly. <laughs> we only have two days of the year canonically where we're obliged to fast, but we really want to fast, of course, up to what everybody's able to do on their individual level. But we really want to think of fasting more like two days a week, if not more during Lent. You know, historically, Lent was fasting every day during Lent. Wow. Not, not just on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Every day was a fast because it's that important for the reasons we already expressed to live that life of fasting. So that's a pretty tall task to all of a sudden go to fasting every day during Lent, except the Sundays, of yeah. course, but at least maybe every Friday during yes. Lent, 
Yes, for sure. Maybe on a Friday and maybe one other day if we can. So for fasting, we want to consider increasing how much we fast. And certainly we want to consider how much we eat when we fast. Okay. One meal and two small meals is what the current obligation is. But can we do bread and water maybe, for example, or even a little bit less than we normally would when we do fast? So those would be the two things with fasting to keep in mind is the frequency of it and the rigor of it. And then the almsgiving is certainly, it's meant to be an increased time of actually giving alms financially. But almsgiving also has a general sense of just all the works of mercy. We may not have a lot of money, but can we increase our volunteer hours? Can we serve the poor more in the hospitals, in the homeless shelters, whatever it is? So making sure that the almsgiving piece has an increased commitment to serving those who are in need in whatever capacity that may be. But, you know, one thing I remembered many years ago to keep in mind when it comes to those financial offerings is so much of what we do today is automatic. We don't even think about it. We just set our credit card to get deducted, you know, the first of every month. And we never think about it ever again. Wow, you want to make true. sure you remember when you make those contributions financially. And you want to make sure on those days you actually specifically pray for that money you're giving away. To help the people. To That's actually, true. you know, set your calendar. I give money on these days as an automatic deduction. Make sure you set your calendar to actually make prayers for those alms on those specific days to offer them for a particular intention rather than just an automatic thing that you kind of forget and don't really get affected by anymore. So almsgiving can be anything along the works of mercy, but also on that financial level, making sure you're aware of the financial alms you do give and turning that into a prayer specifically as well. My goodness, there's so many people in need right now and even just lonely. People are so lonely mm -hmm. right now and people are scared and people are worried and concerned and maybe even just being that voice or that gentle smile or just that little bit of comfort for just the people around you in your neighborhood, even in your own home. Sometimes we can get so busy and so wrapped up in everything going on. There's neglect that happens in your own home with your family members, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, so just to really just step back and just reevaluate your life because Lent honestly isn't just a time of what am I going to give up? I have to do this. I'm kind of dragging yourself, you know, and like, okay, mm -hmm. well, I yeah, can yeah. do this. It's no, maybe look at it through a different lens of this really can be a time of spiritual serious growth for you. And to kind yeah. of go to the next level, if you're willing to do that, and we have this spiritual time in the church every year for a reason, and Jesus is inviting us to go deeper. It's an invitation to really join in with him in his suffering and his love for us and dying to oneself, because I truly think that is, that's where it's at. You have to learn to die to yourself. And if people have a hard time doing that, it's going to be hard to get close to Jesus because that's all he did to the point of dying on the cross, you mm -hmm. know, and I think it's important that we focus on that, that, that what is it I can do for the other? What is it Jesus is asking of me? And maybe you're dating someone you shouldn't be. Maybe you have a group mm -hmm. of friends that it's just like maybe during Lent. Yeah. Let me take a break from them right now. You know, things like that, even just, but you know, the things that are keeping you from God and just to hone in on them. And maybe it's one really hard thing. Or maybe it's a couple little things that will improve your spiritual life. Ask Jesus and be honest with yourself and with him and say, what is it you're asking of me that you want of me or that you need me to do that I've been ignoring or that I've been holding on to? And maybe it's that really good confession, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about yeah. confession. Is, is this a time where people have to go to confession? It's like, it's, I know you should go once a year, but this is a time that it's really encouraged to go and just kind of give everything to God, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Certainly as we approach the greatest heights of the church's liturgical year with the passion, death, and resurrection, we want to make sure that we're right. And certainly that would mean confession is necessary if we're in the state of mortal sin. But even if we're not in the state of mortal sin, we really want to be going to confession every few weeks if we can. I know that's hard and we have you know spouses and children and difficulties that come up, but to really go at least every few weeks, once a month, even if it's just confessing venial sins, but you want to give yourself to your divine physician to give you that healing and to give you those graces of the confessional to then go off and live this new life of Lent, really trying to prepare for that life of the cross that you're talking about. Because it is true that, you know, we talk about all these different penances, 
And I've already said a lot of things about prayer, stations, examine, psalms, do this for fasting, almsgiving. But at the end of the day, you're right that everything is subject to charity. And so really Lent is irrelevant if you don't actually grow in love for your Lord, for your spouse, for your children. It's no good giving up your coffee if you're just going to treat your spouse like dirt. (laughs) Kind of defeats the purpose of it all, right? Yeah. You're supposed to be getting yourself nailed to the cross along with our Lord, which means doing whatever it is that you need to do to embrace those mortifications, to embrace those humiliations, to embrace those acceptances of your impoverishments and your weaknesses and give them to our Lord. And that happens in no more greater way than confession to recognize my lowliness and my humbleness and that I need to turn to him for his grace to grow in virtue and to live that life of charity for my, my Lord, my spouse, my children and so forth. And we really can't do anything without Jesus. And the, really the starting point is confession with all things when it comes to your spiritual life. If, if you've lived a life of sin or you're holding on to something. And when I had my major conversion, I knew I had to go to confession. Like that was the starting mm-hmm. point, you know, because without that grace and kind of getting all that filth out and, cl- and unclogging all of that, you know, then yeah. mm-hmm. I couldn't really hear his voice. I couldn't really heed his call because I was so just buried under that. And so that really is the starting point. So maybe start off and get the courage, go to confession. And even today, and I say this every Saturday, (laughs) you hear Mm -hmm. my voice, go to confession. There are churches open all over the country in your own state, in your own hometown, maybe. And depending where you're at with COVID and lockdowns and things, wherever's going on in your church, but I'm sure you can find somewhere to go to confession Today And like I said before, there is nothing more important than being right with God. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And to go to bed at peace tonight, knowing you are right with God. How amazing is that? And someone that's been away from the church to go to bed tonight at peace, like I did it. I finally did it. And just have that peace knowing I'm good, you know, so that that's a big deal. Yeah, and it really does and can have very concrete effects on our lives. I'll never forget years ago, I hadn't been in confession for a few months, not for a lack of effort or desire or, or mortal sin or anything like that. I just hadn't been for a few months. And I was really edgy with the kids, just really so much quicker and, and easier. Yeah. yeah. Super. Ir- it was like uh-huh. everything they were doing was very frustrating, which it generally is <laughs> yeah. because that's life. But still, there's times you handle it better than other times. That's right. It's true. And I'll never forget my wife just saying, well, when was the last time you went to confession? So well, I haven't been in actually about three months. Again, not for lack of effort. And I wasn't in a state of mortal sin. It just, you go to, you go to mass with a bunch of children. It's hard to get in line or the line's too long. So mm-hmm. you couldn't go this week. It just kind of built up. It was a few months. There wasn't any mortal sin. There wasn't any grave problem in the spiritual life. I just hadn't been in a while. So it just, all this crud was there, you know, in the yeah. spiritual life, all these little slight imperfections and flaws that you have. The cracks. Just get magnified. Yeah, they just get I, yeah, magnified. cracks in the foundation, and it does. And it yeah, makes you Teresa weaker. Avila does, yeah. Teresa of Avila calls them the cobwebs wow. in the corners of the home. You don't notice them until you notice them. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're so small, but they build up, and finally you realize, oh, my goodness, there's actually a, a cobweb. I need to actually do something about it. It's, it's been a few months. And then you go to confession, and wow, can actually handle the complaints or, or whatever it is from the children a lot easier, a lot better. It really does have concrete, tangible effects on our lives to expose ourselves to the mercy of our Lord. Absolutely. And before we go, I also want to talk about, we talk about um, fasting right now, but I want to talk about the spiritual food we can give ourselves with the mass and the Eucharist and adoration and to spend time with Jesus to go to daily mass if you can, which for some it's really hard, really difficult, or even those of you that just have to drag your flesh because you want to sleep in and like, no, Mm -hmm. I'm doing this. I'm going, you know, Mm -hmm. or try once a week, just during the week to go to mass. And it completely changes your day, Daniel, doesn't it? It just, it's like a night and day when you go to mass and then I don't, the grace that abounds there for me with everything going on, it's so much Mm -hmm. better in my daily life, bringing Jesus along with me, receiving him daily, right? Oh, absolutely. And even if you just back it up 
if we don't even just wake up a little bit earlier and start our day with a morning offering and just make sure we give ourselves to prayer first and foremost, it really does make the day that much harder. It you does. Are not exposing yourself to the graces that our Lord wants to give you. He loves us so much and he desires us to be in a relationship with him so much that he would actually die for us on the cross, actually give us himself in Holy Communion. I mean, he loves us that much. So there's so many graces he wants to give us. It's just a question of whether or not we avail ourselves of them. And certainly that daily mass and starting your day off right is going to set the tone for the whole rest of the day for sure. And I would really encourage everyone if you can't make a daily mass, completely understandable. And this isn't a guilt trip for anyone or pressure on anyone. These are all just suggestions that Daniel and I are putting out there. But if anything, during Lent to try and, and just check in with Jesus first in the morning before you start your day and take a spiritual communion. That mm -hmm. would be huge to have that Absolutely, in your yeah. morning regimen every day and just do it for a week and see the difference and the grace that abounds in your life just by doing that alone um, would be huge. And I know they have all of this on EWTN.com under prayers. And there's so many things that you can utilize. And I know Father and I discussed some of them already at EWTN that you can do right now with your family and sign up for. So when Lent starts Wednesday, you're ready to go. Thank you for being here again, Daniel. I really appreciate it. And I've learned so much in just this hour talking with you and Father, but just thank you for being here. And I hope you have a holy and blessed Lent. Of course, my pleasure. You too. Thanks so much. thank my guest again, Father Joseph Mary, for being here, and Daniel Campbell. And don't forget, everyone, today there is confession all over the country in different parishes, uh, typically in the afternoon. So if you can make it to confession to start your Lent off right, go today. Again, there is nothing more important than being right with God. And I wanted to leave you with a couple quotes here for Lent that I thought were just excellent. And one is from Pope John Paul II. And he says, Today, especially in an affluent society, St. Augustine's warning is more timely than ever. Enter again into yourself. Yes, if we must enter again into ourselves, if we want to find ourselves. Not only our spiritual life is at stake, but indeed our personal, family, and social equilibrium itself. One of the meanings of penitential fasting is to help us recover an interior life. Moderation, reconciliation, and prayer all go hand in hand. And then there is one here by Mother Angelica. And she says that there are a lot of things that you can give Jesus. I don't like to say give up. Well, if you're going to take it back, but give it to Jesus for Lent. I hope you all have a wonderful, holy, and blessed Lent starting this next week. And know I will have you in my prayers. See you next weekend, everyone. God bless. EWTN, communicating the faith. I want to thank you very much for what you have done for us these years as we converted to Catholicism two years ago, and you had a huge influence on us, the information that we got from you. So I do want to say a huge thank you for this show. So I'm listening, and I'm a new listener to this station, and I'm actually going to get a lot of friends to listen to this station. I'm so excited. EWTN has its own official YouTube channel with tens of thousands of videos covering just about every conceivable topic of interest to Catholics. And best of all, it's free. When you go to YouTube, search EWTN.